All right. So I noticed on my favorite podcasts that uh, the ones that I really enjoy, a lot of the times the intros are very different. And I think maybe they do that so that you know which episode you're listening to. So in, in lieu of my regular introduction, where I say welcome, is this strange talk about podcast introductions. So welcome. Uh, today is uh, our 14th episode. And nice. isn't, isn't that incredible? Yep. And Tobin is with us today, and we're going to be talking about the devil. This is the devil podcast. Uh, I don't know if there's some significance with the number 14, but we can just pretend there is. And so uh, that's what we're talking about today. And one of the reasons we're talking about that is just before we started, Tobin and I decided that we don't really talk about Satan enough, but we don't want to talk about it too much. It is kind of hard to probably talk about in Sunday service just because of the complexities of this topic. So I think we're going to devote this podcast uh, to talking about that. So uh, Tobin, tell us a little bit about um, why you think it's a good, good idea that we enter into this kind of discussion and how can we enter that discussion um, wisely and cautiously? <laughs> uh, the, you know, it's one of those topics where you tend to create files in your mind uh, and some files are thicker than others. This is a file that we know we have in our mind. We rarely open the file perhaps because we're worried what we're going to see in the file. Um, perhaps we rarely open the file because we don't want to see what's in the file. Um, but nonetheless, the file exists. The less we look at the file of a power encounter, uh, in its softest version, is it's the realization that there is a struggle between good and evil. And that makes for every good movie. Uh, I mean, Star Wars wouldn't be Star Wars without you know, this, this classic clash between good and evil. Uh, Tolkien's um, Lord of the Rings wouldn't be as powerful as it was without this classic clash between good and evil. And all of, all of human life, the big, the big classic battles, there's this, there's this struggle between good and evil. And we're okay with that. But then when you begin to look at the sources of the good and the evil, we're really comfortable with the source of the good. We're less comfortable with the source of the evil, and we don't know what to do with it. So it's easier for us to put it in a file, stick it away in our brain, in our cloud brain, and rarely, if ever, look into it. So that, that's the realization. That's just the human tendency, and it certainly is mine, too. And You don't want to talk about... You don't want to talk about the enemy. You don't want to talk about the slanderer. In fact, even when I talk about it, I don't like using the word devil because SNL's done some great skits over yeah, the years, you know, sure. and, and Hollywood caricatures that in so many ways, uh, which is all part of the subtle, I think, work of uh, anti-God, right? You know, that that enemy, that slanderer, and we almost fool ourselves to think that, well, you know, unless it's a caricature with a pitchfork and pointy ears and a really nasty looking goatee um, all dressed in black unless that's the voice whispering in my ear it's probably not that person mm -hmm. um, so I, I do struggle with this topic and even in doing it last Sunday I didn't want the enemy to be the hero of the story right um you want you want Christ to be the hero of the story. On the other hand, if it was done in a way that it exposes the ways of the enemy or the slanderer, um, 
then Christ still can remain the hero of the story. But because we talk about it so little, it can't help but by default become the hero of the story. Huh. So it's just this fascinating thing. So I said, all right, I got to do it. It's in the text. It's a classic power encounter. You can't you can't just skip over it. And there's too many good things going on in there. Right. Uh, so I, I do think we, t- we should talk about it. Not too much, not too little. Ultimately, not the hero of the story. Uh, but I think in terms of the way... Uh, the enemy is so subtly able to influence our thinking. Those are powerful exposés. And, you know, classics like uh, C.S. Lewis, Lewis has written a book, um, Screwtape Letters. If you mm-hmm. haven't read it, go yeah. read it. Um, also, Peter Kraft, who uh, is retired now but taught philosophy at Boston uh, University, has done some good work in, in kind of the this imaginary conversation, too. So I'd recommend those two places. In particular, yeah. if you want to read more, if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's a great place to start. You know, I, I think if you're on on the outside looking in as maybe uh, not just non-Christian, but not super familiar with, I don't know, human culture. Like I say, you're an alien and you look at this faith and, and we do, there is this good versus evil, but um, you would think that we would talk about it more, right? And so 15 years of my youth ministry, I've never done a series, how to avoid evil. Because I wouldn't yeah. want the evil in the title, you know, like I would yeah. just want to focus on, um, some action items. I've, you know, if if we talk about uh, Satan or the Dark One or something, it's it's mentioned within the context of a of a series that's about life application or scripture, but it's never been the focus. But the irony is that you would think maybe it should be, or it would be, because wouldn't we want to learn more about how to avoid, um, how to uh, disengage, how to um, recognize. Uh, when we're being lied to, but you know, like you said, it's 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 a danger, and and when when that becomes the focus of our teaching or our conversations, then we begin to see through that lens of the main figure and the main focus, and kind of gets close to is that the main focus of the story? Is that the hero of the story? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if I don't know. I don't think I do that well, and I I would think that maybe students don't talk about that or ask questions about that as much as one would think. Um, so it's hard to feel not just comfortable, but like, okay, I'm going to bring this up. And so I can bum everybody out about all the ways they've been lied to. <laughs> uh, but instead maybe look for those natural places that uh, you can talk about the spiritual warfare that's going on. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm even embarrassed even in this podcast, if you want to know the truth. So I, if I were to say the word, the devil, I'm embarrassed to say that word. Hmm. Because immediately my mind caricatures of the devil from the movie Animal House when I was a kid pop into my mind. So I can't even be serious about it. And if I use the word Satan, I can't get beyond all the all the classically hilarious SNL skits, mm-hmm. you know, that we're talking about Satan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, years ago, I'm dating myself, but I, I can't get beyond those things. So in order for me even to talk about it, I, I won't use either of those two words. I'll use adversary, I'll, which actually is what the word Satan actually means is an adversary. So adversary is more true to the text than our English word Satan in the translation. Um, so it is, an, it is an opposition to all things God, all things good. It is a personal being that is in opposition to all things God, all things good. And I, and I even realize that there are a lot of Christians that don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's, uh, and that's okay. We can still be Christian. Um, I haven't fallen down the hill to that point yet. But I recognize that even my 
almost inability or embarrassment to say the word devil or to say the word Satan, I'm sliding down that slope. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It makes it less real. It makes it less real and it makes it more comical and funny and easier to dismiss right. the reality that is in play. But you don't have to look very far to recognize it. At the very least, there's a cosmic battle between good and evil. Right. Okay. Everyone, I would think, would agree to that. Well, then you have to peel back a layer of the onion. Uh, where, what is the essence of the root of the cosmic good? What is the essence of the root of the cosmic evil? And somewhere along the line, those get named. Mm-hmm. You know, good God and um, an evil adversary. Right. And you can't get beyond those things. I think in, in another aspect in the church, which I think is a part of, like if I were the adversary, uh, I would develop a mindset in the Western church that is that is only interested in uh, a communicator or a pastor making people feel good, uh, which is commendable. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's part of the priestly nature of the work of pastor but there's also a prophetic work to the position of fat pastor and there's also uh, a kingly work mm-hmm. and the prophetic work of pastor is to tell the truth right. the kingly work of the role of pastor or curator of the soul or docent to the soul or vicar is to celebrate with god's people those feast days of celebration in the church calendar. You know, the classic ones are Christmas and and Easter and Pentecost and Trinity Sunday. Uh, some of those classic, classic feasts that are that we still do celebrate. But part of part of the work of the adversary is, uh, I think, to drive us to to demand from our pastors and communicators and speakers to always make us feel good. Right. Well, that doesn't leave room for the prophetic truth-telling, and one of the ways that we prophetically tell the truth is that there is a cosmic evil in the world who's, a, who's not just a force, Star Wars, uh, but is also a person, the adversary. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, the whole thing's fascinating if you, really, if you really peel it back. Yeah, that he's at play in that lack of wanting to discuss it or us not wanting to hear that aspect of our faith. Yeah. I think he says something really significant, and I think we need to touch on that, is that uh, that you and I both know people who we would welcomely call Christians who don't believe uh, that Satan is either currently existing or real or interacts with us. And I think that speaks to something I was talking about earlier, a little bit about like the lack of information in theology, theological background, because you wouldn't meet a Christian that says, I'm a Christian, but I don't really believe that God exists, you know? Um, but yet we can meet Christians who, who who will say that about the evil one. Right. Um, could you speak into a little bit for, you know, just like theologically, why, you don't have to, you know, you can share, I'm sure you'd share your perspective, but why is there a disparity from, from you know, he's not real and doesn't exist to, we've probably seen people on the other end who um, are a little bit more, He's here every moment, every thought, every engagement. You know, the temptation is Satan is right next to us. You know, why is there so much disparity in, in that, I don't know, theology of how he interacts with the world? Uh, that's a good question. And I don't, I don't think that I'm going to have any helpful ways to navigate those tensions other than to say 
there's a tremendous amount of pressure in our uh, traditional expressions of worship, especially in the United States, uh, on a any communicator that gets up, straps a microphone on their belt, you know, or their dress once a week. There's a tremendous amount of pressure to simply make me feel good. In other words, tell me what I want to hear. And if you don't, don't forget, I pay your bills. Hmm. Um, so there is an incredible amount of pressure to, to satisfy that need within culture to the detriment of the holistic aspects of the truth revealed in and through the life and times of Christ. Um, so I think the end result of that is, A, we talk about it too little, because we don't want to hear that. Or the other extreme would be we talk about it too much. You know, it kind of comes back to the classic quote by Lewis. You know, there, there's basically two views, that you don't believe enough in it, or you believe too much in it. So I think, I think the Kierkegaardian notion of paradox as the midwife of truth certainly holds accurate in this case. Um, he, this enemy does exist. Um, but our enemy is not the hero of the story. So living in the tensions of those two places, somewhere in there we'll find truth. So um, I don't think it's an either-or struggle as much as it is a both-and and finding, finding the truth and intentions of those things. But I submit that to the folks listening for further consideration. I'm totally open to you know, going further in the conversation. Uh, I think that's the, po- the power and the possibility of podcasts to do things here that you wouldn't do in a, in a worship space because sometimes people just can't handle it. Hmm. You know, I'm going back to, I can't remember the name of the movie, but uh, um, Tom Cruise and Nicholson. Uh, is it Risky uh, Business? No, not that one. The other one with the Guantanamo Bay. Anyway, uh, Nicholson stands up and yells at Tom Cruise, oh, right. you can't handle the truth. Yeah. And that's so true in the church. Most of the time people can't handle the truth. Why? Because they just want to be, they want to be told what they want to hear. And I think that's a shame. It's uh, provocatively... It, it makes us out to be streetwalkers. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, I think that's true. And I think that we all kind of have to navigate that. Yeah. So if we're, if we feel like we are, we never think about evil and in our own faith that doesn't, that doesn't come up, then I think maybe we can self-reflect and, may, and maybe we're on the, the end of that spectrum that's really downplaying some important significance aspect in our life that we need to be focusing on. And if it seems like um, it, every once in a while, I meet people who, you know, that's kind of, uh, I don't say obsessed, but the evil one is constantly in their thoughts and, and whether it's fear or um, a battle, then maybe it's a little bit too much. Something that I explain um, a lot when I teach about this subject is that, um, you know, Satan is, is, is like the father of lies and the opposite of God. And so, uh, the way that I see often interacting and engaging is is the root of lies, um, not so much maybe the ones that we tell, 
um, that sin aspect, but more the ones that we believe about ourselves and we believe about the world that therefore don't allow us to engage with the world the way that God wants us to. So that might be, you know, that we aren't worth anything. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we don't live in a way that uh, truly, truly understanding and believing that we are God's masterpiece and that God can use us and that uh, we can affect uh, not just the world, uh, but those around us. Or it might be something like um, a certain people group are worth less than I am. Um, And so that may be a subconscious lie, but then that goes in turn and affects the way that we engage in the world, affects the way that we um, live out God's kingdom. So what would you say, um, what would you think uh, as a culture, we talked about this a little bit, uh, what are some of the lies that you think that we might be living into a little bit too much or accepting as, as truth um, and we don't even see them as, as being lies and originating in evil? Well, one of, one of the areas that we didn't, I didn't even talk about on Sunday, which I would have loved to, but people can't handle this kind of conversation usually, is it's so... Unless we're very careful, unless we're very attentive, unless we're unless we're able to practice self-differentiated leadership, unless we're able to kind of step outside of our local context while we're still there and just notice what we're noticing, I think I think the the enemy can have a field day. And in my lifetime, I've watched I've watched the church and and in particular the the religious right. Um, go deeper and deeper into uh, a space that has led us to this moment where we're highly polarized as people. And, and actually, there's movements now to empty the pews. There's movements to walk away. Um, there's there's a movement amongst millennials, certainly, to step away from faith that was real to them at one moment in their life, uh, because I think they I think they see through the BS of how easy it is if you're not attentive to the subversive ways of the enemy to wrap your Bible in, in like a, a flag, for example. Mm-hmm. And I know this is going to be provocative, probably not for the listeners here, but for some folks that may be forwarded this podcast. Um, you know, my goal as a pastor is to not make people better citizens, nor is yours. Our goal as pastors is to make people better disciples and followers of of the way of God and Jesus Christ. Yeah, or citizens of God's kingdom. Or citizens of God's kingdom. Yeah. Which is an alt. I love that word because it's so popular right now. It's the alt facts of the way in which God is at work in the world. God is not at work in the world, typically speaking, through a movement that wraps a Bible in a flag. Mm -hmm. That movement that wraps a Bible in a flag has been co-opted by the enemy uh, for political gain and political reasons, which is all about the abuse of power. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing a tremendous amount of backlash to that. Uh, And the good news about what's happening in our national politics and even geopolitics is that co-opting of Bible wrapped in power as a, a ruse for political power is being exposed. Hmm. Unfortunately, still 30 to 40% of the national population actually believe that. Hmm. 
But I think the enemy's having a field day in this, in this particular way. And the good news is it's been exposed. The good news is people are seeing it for what it is. The good news is there are some very significant movements right now, even around the United States, to disentangle us as peculiar, unique, and called out people as followers and apprentices uh, of, of the kingdom of God in and through Jesus Christ to live a more authentic Jesus way in the world. Mm. And that's attractive to millennials. Uh, churches that are able to do that are seeing millennials come back to church, mm. uh, which is a fascinating dynamic. One of the reasons they've left is because they recognize it's been co-opted. Yeah. One of the reasons they're returning is they return to the churches who are prophetically speaking out against that. Uh, and they want to be a part of a movement known as, you know, the kingdom of God. So to me, that's a very, very practical way in which the subversive ways of the enemy left unchecked can infiltrate and impact, uh, uh, denominations as a whole. Yeah. Um, so the good news is, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, the Me Too movement, the recognition that those movements are actually in play and in conflict with Bible-wrapped-in-flag kind of abuses of power is revealing to us the true nature of where we are and the opportunity for us is to untangle and dismantle a Bible wrapped in a flag and just literally become, once again, uh, people of not just the written word, but people of the word in Jesus Christ, people of Christ. Mm. You know, you know I, as you say that and explain that, um, you know, one of the things I think is really interesting and almost funny and sad is that it's this is not unique to us today. I mean, we can look back at different times in, in the history of Christianity pre-specific reformations and say, well, that's what they were doing. I mean, they were taking sure. the word and the way and hybridizing it with the way they wanted to live, or maybe let's just say their country or maybe their kingdom, uh, and we're trying to combine them. And then usually in turn, um, at the... Uh, you know, taking it. What would happen is, is that people would be taken advantage of, because the word was used in conjunction with, you know, political systems, governmental systems. Uh, I want to live this way, so I'm going to take the word and the way and combine it, so that I can continue to live that way. Um, so I, I don't think we should be surprised. Um, and this is true of, of other countries even today. But we'll take America as an example. Is that a couple hundred years after its formation and Christians living here a long time, that we've developed a movement. Um, or we've developed in a way in which we are trying to combine the word and the way with the American lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think for, for most of us, we should be able to at least think about and ponder, um, one, how is that really possible to take something that was so counter and is so counter to just um, any, I mean, almost any comfortability and or any political system or governmental system, uh, you know, the Bible never fit the way never fit into those things. It was too for people. It was too loving. It was too full of grace um, for us to be able to do that. And so I don't think we should be surprised that um, 
we're kind of facing that place and time in history yeah. where we're, we're going to be probably working our way towards some kind of, um, could be small, could be grassroots, you know, kind of separation and reformation from that that's been happening uh, for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think what I like about even this podcast and where we are as a church and where people are is that let's just have a conversation about it. Let's recognize it. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about it and begin to find ways we can separate uh, the way that we want to live and thought we were entitled to, to what the word really says and who, who God really is. Yeah. Now it's fascinating. I mean, I, I can even get more provocative. Uh, you know, some churches have an American flag in their, in their worship space. I'm vehemently against that. Uh, thankfully when, when I came to this church, that was one of the first things I looked at the first time I was in the sanctuary. Are, are there, is there an American flag mm-hmm. in here? Mm-hmm. Cause I was, I wanted to know what I was up against check. It wasn't, mm-hmm. but in two other churches I was at, they had an American flag and a Christian flag. One of the first things that, that I did was I removed them. And people left the church because I took their flags out of the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Mm. Wait. You're going to remove yourself from your community because the flag's not here? Now, don't misunderstand me. I love the United States of America. But... Uh, the United States of America is different than the kingdom of God. Right. There, in the kingdom of God, there are no exceptional people. People are people mm-hmm. in the kingdom of God. Imago Dei, created equal in the image of God. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It does not matter what your socioeconomic background is. It doesn't matter what longitude and latitude you were born. It doesn't matter on what side of the border you were born. It doesn't matter of your sexuality. You're still... Everyone has been created imago dei, Mm. period. Um, And that's, when you walk onto a church campus, that's the proclamation. Mm. Yeah. You know? We proclaim that to be true here. This is And we're not going to conflict that with, with anything that gets in the way of that. Yeah. Uh that supersedes and, and it even goes so far as I, for example uh, i don't i don't sing the national anthem mm-hmm. nor do i pledge the, my allegiance to the flag because i don't think i should pledge my allegiance to anyone and especially anything other than jesus christ now am i perfect heck no man i don't want to go into all the subversive ways the enemy has made me fail mm. i'm just not going to air all my dirty laundry it's pretty dark on the other hand these more outward expressions that we tend to wrap ourselves in are more uh subversive anti-god than they are god right because uh, god wants our total surrender and allegiance to the father son and holy spirit not to a flag yeah so in the kingdom of god there's no such thing as american exceptionalism now, for a Christian who wraps their Bible in the flag, there's no differentiation between make America fabulous and being a Christian person because they haven't disentangled those two things. Right. Um, so if anybody here is listening and they, and they still pledge allegiance to the flag as a pastor, I'd, I'd ask you to consider what you're doing in that. Mm-hmm. If you even sing the national anthem, consider what you're, you're doing in that. Um, 
I would never say be disrespectful. I just usually stand there with a great sense of humility, mm-hmm. and I pray through it. Say, thank you, God, that I live in a country that allows me to do this. I'm mm-hmm. grateful for the people that fought for the level of freedom that we have. Right. But I'm not going to sing a worship song to a flag, and I'm not going to pledge my allegiance to anything other than Christ. And those are a couple ways that I can disentangle Jesus the Christ from politics. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the adversary is going to be super subtle and super good at um, getting you to to not even realize that uh, you're believing a lie or you're living a lie or that you're uh, the things that you come to believe about uh, your own faith and your own country and where you live and your your status as an individual, um, that those are just, those are okay, those are natural, those are true, those are my right. Um, and, you know, I think what you, kind of the disentangling is, is a good picture of of these ingrained ideas and thoughts <clears throat> that before we can even do that, we have to recognize that they're even there and slowly disentangle them. Uh, something that um, I got, I usually try to avoid any type of uh, online Facebook discussion that involves um, just controversial things, but I just we just got back from Mexico, and, and one of my previous students from my church in the Midwest, who who I love, is one of my favorite people, um, posts this uh, this video about immigration, illegal immigration, and he didn't even say anything. He just posted a video, and the video was um, was implying that um, it's simple. All you got to do, even if you're illegal, is just to work your way towards. Uh, citizenship that's all we're asking to do just become a citizen don't you know and so all i said was oh this this is sad it's actually really hard to become a citizen many would have to leave this country that they've been here and the only country they've known for over 10 years and or they would have to wait 20 years before they had a chance that's all i said just because it was on my heart you know mm-hmm. and uh, the discussion kind of well went, that's the reality yeah that's true right and that's true that's the facts that's the facts and uh the conversation went well, but slowly degraded. And a couple of the things that he kept saying was that made me really sad was, um, you know, that they're stealing um, my benefits and my rights at a citizen that I have. Um, you know, those are, they're taking those things away from me. Um, he recently got married uh, to a, a non-citizen, and they're actually uh, wanting to be missionaries. They're in, they're in another country right now, and, and he said things like they're stealing from my my future from my wife and I. And I kept trying to point to God and kept trying to remind him that, you know, in God's kingdom, there is no citizen and non-citizen of some country. There's no borders aren't there. Papers aren't there. Yeah, right. And the more that we talk like us versus them, uh, the further we get away from what God would have us believe about people. And uh, I don't know if I made any headway, but that was the kind of conversation. And it just made me really sad that, that he couldn't really see how thinking like that and telling people that they're stealing from what is rightfully his that that was uh, a disconnection for how God would have him think about others. Yeah. So it's a fascinating, you know, the, this is this is the deep pastoral work of of peeling back onion after layer layer of onion after layer of onion after layer of onion. You know, you're gonna cry when you. Mm. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good. You know, it makes you cry. First step. But it, it leaves you raw. Um. But it, gets, it, it it slowly gets you deeper and deeper and deeper into really what it is that we are called to be and do. So 
I'm glad you didn't argue too much with him because arguing on social media is, is really quite silly, yeah. rarely. And that, that was one of the things in this text this week. Jesus doesn't argue with the enemy. He just, because you can't argue people into new places. Right. You know, most folks have to go discover it for themselves. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's a fascinating conversation. Yeah. And, uh, so I would, I would think, go ahead. Well, you said something earlier about rights and entitlements, uh, you know, as an American. Again, classically, right? We're correct. As, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, we surrender all of our rights and entitlements. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of, of, of surrendering our life to the lordship of Christ. We surrender our rights. Right. Uh, and yet... In, in our country, our Constitution is built on, I have the right to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. So you see how, how interesting and subtle um, flag colludes with text. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it takes a real thoughtful person to really unpack some of that. What's really being asked of me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, to the point of giving the ultimate sacrifice. What's the ultimate sacrifice? To to do battle, to die on the front lines, protecting these rights and entitlements and the flag. Mm-hmm. Mm. But Jesus says, lay down your life for another person, that's ultimate love. Um, and it has nothing to do with flags. Um, so there's the purity, the total unadulterated purity of the kingdom of God versus a really enmeshed, uh, power-hungry politic that asks us to do it out of another motivation. So it's, I'm getting myself into trouble here. I can hear yeah, it now. It's hard. But thoughtful people who are really concerned with following Christ... This is demanded of us to right. think through. Yeah. What would it look like? What really would it look like if we did this stuff? Yeah. If you literally gave up to your rights or your, yeah. your benefits just to someone else for the sake of the gospel. Because Jesus, that's the whole point of the crucifixion. Jesus gave up his right to bear arms mm-hmm. and take on his oppressor. He voluntarily surrendered his bodily life to be crucified on a cross as opposed to uh, invoke the full powers of his divinity that were at his behest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and take on his Roman oppressor right. to make Israel great again. Mm-hmm. That's not why he came. <laughs> the ultimate He uh, came to show sacrifice. a different way forward in the path of love. Right. Uh, and it led to a movement that is still 2,000 years strong. So it's 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 fascinating, and I'm you know I'm probably going to get letters. Actually, I would hope I would. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, that would mean people are engaging. Those people are listening. Yeah. yeah, and on that note, you know, we we try to uh, do a Facebook post uh, when the sermon drops, and also when this podcast drops. And um, I would encourage those of you who are listening uh, to kind of uh, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes and you're getting that push notification to your phone. But we're still going to post on podcast one so that you can share it with somebody. But two. Um, we're going to post on Facebook so that you can have conversation and engagement. Yeah, and it's all about starting conversations and going yeah. deeper. 
And, you know, I'll take some responsibility. Maybe we in the church, we need to drop the podcast and start with a question. After you listen to it, come back to this post and let's have a conversation. So I encourage you to do that, um, to come back after you listen and engage in some conversation. That would be great, uh, a great place to have some thoughtful discussion about the topics, not just this week, but every week when we engage something. And uh, so I I thank you for listening. Tobin, thanks for being here and uh, hope to see you guys on Sunday. Thanks, Garrett.